Hey, thanks so much for listening. Just wanted to let you know up front, we had some technical issues with our outside service that we had this Sunday. Uh, so the recording is going to be a little off and there were some chops for some reason. We're still working through that. Hope you can take the time to listen to this, but be sure to visit freedomdl.com slash messages and you can get a link to all the notes on version. Thanks so much. You're listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. All right, good morning, everybody. How you doing? All right, y'all excited about this? Hey, man, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? It's like sometimes life is exactly like you want it to be. And sometimes life ain't like you want what you want it to be. In fact, most times probably life isn't like what you want it to be. But, but uh, something that somebody told me at the beginning of this process, like when we first found out about the fire and all that stuff, um, I had somebody, they called it, just said, look, Here's what you need to do more than anything. God has goodness in every single thing. And every single thing that's going on in your life, every victory, every defeat, every good moment, every bad moment, every win, every loss, God has a plan for every single bit of it. And what happens with us is we tend to get wrapped up into the negativity of the thing that's happening to us. We allow our flesh and our emotions and, and all of that mess to kind of dictate what we're going to do next and how we're going to respond. It's like if, if, somebody, if somebody doesn't treat us properly or the right way, our first response is, well, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to reach for justice rather than mercy. Or how about this? Just chill out for two seconds because it might not actually be like you thought it was. I mean, how many times have you been in your life in a situation where you thought one thing was one way, but you realized it was just a giant misunderstanding? And what happens is if you run after your emotions and after how you feel in that moment, what will happen is you'll make more damage, cause more problems than if you had just gone to that person to begin with, like Matthew 18 tells you to. Come on, y'all. Like Matthew says, go, go talk to somebody. And you'll find that, that God has even something beautiful in this. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 18 that if you have a problem with somebody and you go to them and you talk to them, the Bible says if they respond well, you've gained a brother. But whenever you're acting out of your feelings and your emotions, it, you, you can't have the good things that God wants you to come out of that. Now, listen, y'all, y'all up here thinking like I'm preaching to the, like I'm just preaching to you and not to myself, but I, I'm, I'm flesh and blood too, y'all. And, you know, if somebody steps at you, you kind of want to step back, don't you? Yeah, the, the new phrase the kids are saying these days, what's good, man? What's good? Come on, y'all. I see y'all laughing at me on the back row. That's all right. I love y'all. What's good? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but that's the problem is we want to jump out of our emotions. And the same thing happens whenever something like this happens. And it's like, okay, just turn the power back onto our building. Wouldn't that be easy? Wouldn't that be easy? Yeah, of course it would. But what if God had something better for us in the midst of this than just the building working? So here's what I chose to do at the very beginning of this. I'm not going to let any of it get me frustrated or upset. I'm not going to be concerned and stressed and worried. What I'm going to do is I'm going to trust that the God who has my eternity in his hands and the God who's never let us down to this point, the God who's always made a way, he's, always, he's literally been the way maker. He's, I mean, even to get this building, God made a way for that. It was miraculous how we got this to begin with. And so I'm not about to start punking God and pushing back against God for what I was begging God for two years ago. So it's like i got to be careful i got to be careful that I don't create a situation where I am I'm disrespecting the very one who gave me everything that I have to begin with. So let's just take a moment, even in this moment right now, and praise God, even in the midst of what doesn't seem like the best case scenario. I'm okay with all this, you know. It's like I would much rather be inside in air conditioning and not have to set up for three hours, two hours today. 
but that's okay because God is still being praised. The kingdom is still moving forward. Liberty County still being changed forever. Come on, man. Like, and y'all are growing and y'all are developing. And you know something? You don't need a building to do that. It helps, but you don't have to have it. And so we find ourselves in a situation where, you know, we, we're having a service outside. And it, it can be it can be crazy. You know, I'm, I was pretty sure that at some point somebody was going to drop past and their horn was going to go, bop, 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 and you know, it could be, it is what it is, but um, I, I want to I talk to you all today about finishing up our core values, and I hope you've been listening to the core values and applying it to your own life, but um, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to finish up with that this week, um, and, and, but before I do, I want to tell you about what's coming up in November. Um, how many of y'all like listening to music? Where are my music people at? We're starting a new series in November, and it's called Good Song, Bad Theology. And so we're going to listen to a song, and we're going to talk about the theology of that song and how you probably are applying that bad theology to your life, but we won't get the bad theology out of the good song and put some good theology in it so we can listen to the song and think, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Like, come on, I'm going to miss her. Come on, y'all know that's some bad theology right there, man. Like, it's really bad. Listen to your heart. That's bad theology, man. Your heart is really, really dumb to listen to. But I love him. No, your heart is tricking you right now, girl. Quit playing games. So, so we're going to talk through that. I'm, I'm, you know, we've done a lot of messages and series that have been kind of deep and really deep dives and kind of really digging into to the heart and soul there. But I wanted to kind of come up for air a little bit in November. Let's send a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. Um, but also, you know, every Sunday we want to make sure that you're getting something from the Lord that's changing your life. I can talk to you a lot. I can tell you some good things and some good policies and principles, but it's the Holy Spirit that changes things in you, so we want to be sure to focus on that. Okay? All right. So core values, that's what we've been in, and I'd like to finish up core values today. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the last two. We're going to do a twofer, um, and it's on, um, it's on excellence and generosity. So let's first talk about excellence. Now, remember, we can talk about how these things impact us as our core values, but remember, everything we're talking about is something that you need to be applying to your own life and your own heart and your own situation. So don't just listen and say, oh, well, that's how they do it at, at Freedom Church. No. How can you apply this to your own life so that you can get better at your job, you can get better in your family, you can get better with your relationships? So excellence is the first one. Here's what the here's what our website says. Excellence isn't perfection. It's consistently giving your very best. We believe that when things are done with excellence, that it inspires people, that it shows we value them, and ultimately honors God. So this core value that we're talking about today, it closely ties in with generosity, and really even more to our second core value, which is people are the priority, okay? So everything you do tells a story, and it sends a message. Literally everything. And by the way, you can always go to YouVersion, click the little three dots, click events, Click on Freedom Church, and you can read right along with me, um, mainly so you can see the notes, but also so you know when this is going to be over. Come on, baby. All right. Everything you do always tells a story. Every action, every word, every thought, it sends a message. Remember, people will remember what you said or did, but they will remember how you made them feel. It's always about how people feel. Someone could have a genuine conversation with you and earnestly care about you and try to help you. But if they do it with a condescending attitude, you'll forget every word they said and just remember how ashamed you felt when they talked to you. Anybody can relate to that. Come on, man. That's exactly what I tell. Why is this true? It, it, it's because deep in our core, we want to be valued. And whenever someone makes us feel not valued, what we do is we internalize it and it hurts us. What does this have to do with excellence? 
Here's what. Giving someone your best effort conveys a message that this is important, that they are important, and that I've committed to giving this my very best that I can muster. You know, I encountered excellence probably for the first time in my life when I was at New Covenant Church, which is the church that we came from before we planted. And it was a core value at NCC as well. And not only did NCC operate in the spirit of excellence, but they also got into other environments where excellence was a big deal and where it was important. And so remember, excellence isn't perfection. It's giving your best effort. So um, we would go to Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas a lot of times. It's a giant church. They have like 10 campuses now. 40,000 people go to the church. 4,000 go to just that one campus at South Lake. It's, it's massive. Um, but they still maintain a spirit of excellence in the midst of all that size. And um, one conference I went to, um, I, was, I had to go to the restroom. So I was in the restroom, and there was a guy in there who was you know, part of the staff, and he was wiping down the um, the countertops and stuff like that. And I saw him doing that. And, you know, I even saw one time the, the second guy in command at the gateway. His name was Tom Lane. He came to the restaurant one time when I was there. And he grabbed napkins and started wiping up. And I thought, man, that's that's pretty awesome right there. I love seeing that servant leadership, you know. But I told this guy when he was wiping up, I said, listen, man, every time I come to gateway, it's always the restrooms are immaculate. The building is immaculate. And I said, I, I noticed that. And I just want to say how much I appreciate that. And here's what he said. I'll never forget what he said to me. I wrote it down. I'm not just cleaning a sink. We want you here. I'm trying to do a good job because when the place is clean, it makes you feel welcomed like we actually prepared for you to be here. Man, he realized his best effort was connected to me feeling welcomed and valued. That is excellent. It's exactly what it is. So in that vein, let me talk to you about two things with excellence, and then we're going to talk about generosity in just a second. The first thing is this. you got to remember when it comes to excellence, you got to remember who you're doing this for. That's what you got to start with is, like, okay, maybe when we're putting out chairs at church, what are we doing this for? So people can have an encounter with Jesus. But what about when you go to work tomorrow? And you're driving some truck or something, and, 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 or you're sitting next to that coworker that you would rather just kind of give the oh, what's up rather than say hello to him in the morning. Like, what about that? What about a job that you don't really like a ton, but you're just, you just, this is just what we need right now to make ends meet? What about that job? Do you go to that job thinking, I'm doing this just because it's a paycheck and i got to have money to live? Or are you saying, I'm going to do everything I can to honor God with what I'm doing right now? This is what God has for me right now, and I'm going to do it with my utmost. Most people don't think like that. And the reason they don't think like that is because they're not thinking in a mindset that says, I'm going to be excellent in what I do. They're thinking, I'm going to do just enough. And just enough always gets you just enough satisfaction. But when you are excellent in what you do, you give it your all, and you put all your effort in as if you're doing it for the Lord, what you get is the reward that's not always tangible. It's not always dollars and cents. Sometimes it's going home knowing that you did your very best today, and nobody can tell you anything differently. Whatever you're doing, remember who you're doing it for. Family, maybe. Some really good tackling fuel to help you with a job that isn't just awesome is to remember that you're working to provide for a family. Think about those little faces at your house next time you want to quit your job and walk off the, the side. Think about those faces before you do that. And remember why you're doing this. Do your job well. Well, what about for God? Here's what the Bible says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Never underestimate the power of a job well done. Let me tell you why. Because what if your effort in a job had the power to help somebody else see who God is? 
You know, just like a bad attitude can spawn a bad attitude, a good attitude can spawn a good attitude. So maybe instead of going to your job and griping about money like everybody always does, maybe you get in there and say, you know what, we're going to be positive today. This is the day the Lord has made. Whatever it is, whether it's welding something or cleaning something or sticking needles in animals, whatever you're doing, like whatever you're doing, be sure that you do it unto the Lord. Why? It's because other people are watching you, man. Do you, do you live like that? Like, I grew up in church, and I grew up with with uh, parents who were pastors, and so I grew up on a microscope my whole life. Come on, where are my PKs at? Got a few PKs. I know Tony. You grew up on a microscope too. It's like everybody always watches what you do. Okay, that's one of the reasons why I can't go around town and do bad stuff is because I will get away with it, man. Like, I'll have people. I had people. I moved to Nashville uh, in 2003, and and I was just minding my own business. Somebody goes, Jason. Like, how do you even know me, bro? It's like his face. I can't get away with anything. So, um, so, but the thing is, people are watching you. People are watching what you do. And, and you may think that you're low on the totem pole, but have you ever been at a job where you had somebody that was way down on the totem pole, they had no power, no authority, but they had a good attitude, and they positively impacted the rest of the organization? Yeah. You can do that, too. What if your job wasn't to be a pastor up here proclaiming the word on a platform, but instead your job was to make sure that people could see Jesus without you having to tell them about Jesus? It can happen about how you live your life with excellence. How might your life change if you stopped bellyaching about your job and you start working like you were working for Jesus instead? What if you were digging a ditch for Jesus instead of your boss? What if you were bagging groceries instead? What if you were putting a new roof on his house? Or what if you were managing his business? How would that change how you did it? Would you do it differently? Would you do it differently if, if Jesus were the beneficiary instead of your boss or shareholders? If Jesus was a beneficiary instead of a teacher or professor? Would you do it differently? Would you do it differently if the paper you had to write, come on kids, was one that you had to turn into Jesus instead of Miss Smith? The quickest route to an excellent spirit is remembering that you are doing what you are doing for Jesus and for the kingdom, so do it well. In the church, we want people to feel important. We want to feel welcomed. In your job, you want your boss to feel like he or she can count on you and your coworkers to actually enjoy working with you and to actually aspire to match the level of effort that you're giving out. In your house, you want your family to feel like it's a team working together to help each other out. An excellent spirit is born out of the realization that everything you do is for Jesus. The second part of it is this. Excellence helps everyone get better. Everyone gets better when we act with excellence. Look at Daniel verses, uh, chapter 6, verse 3. Um, this is, you know, Daniel, back in the Bible, they were, the Israelites were cap captured by Babylon. And Daniel was a part of this group of wise men they called. Um, and it was because he excelled in basically everything. The Bible actually says in, in the beginning of Daniel... That, that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel were, were gifted with exceptional abilities for math and science of the time. Kids, that's a, that's a Bible verse you can read every day. God, give me the, the supernatural ability to understand math and science. Math with me, y'all. I can write you a paper in 10 minutes, but 2 plus 2 is chair. That's all I know. You know what I'm saying? I'm terrible at that. Terrible at math. <laughs> okay, that's not good. <laughs> 2 plus 2 is 22. But, but here's what the Bible says about Daniel in verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Why? It's, it's not because he was good looking. 
It's not because he'd weaseled up to the boss and got in, in good with the boss. It's not because his wells were perfect. It's because an excellent spirit was inside of him, and a king planned to set him over the whole entire kingdom. See, when you're doing what you do with excellence, people notice. And not only do they notice, they're impressed. And not only are they impressed, in a corporate setting, they pinpoint you as the person to promote. In a church setting, it makes people feel special. In your home, it makes people feel loved. Come on, guys. What happens when you open your sock drawer and you got socks in there and your underwear is nice and folded neatly? That's because you went and did your laundry. Come on, ladies. Tell them now. Tell them. No, I'm kidding. But, but doesn't it feel good when you, when you get home and, like, come on, ladies, you get home from work and your husband got there two hours before you and he cleaned the kitchen? Woo. Some of y'all getting freedom. What, 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 come on, say, you know what? Don't even worry about it. We're going out to, we're going to burrito tonight. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Now, why, why am I being silly about that? Here's why. It's because when people treat, when people operate in excellence around you, it makes you feel valued. And what it does is it makes that other person want to be better too. Have you ever been next to a coworker and they're working hard and they're knocking out of the park? Does it make you want to be a lazy bum? Hey, well, I mean, for one thing, let me just tell you this. If, if your coworker is working like crazy, and you're like, well, they're working like crazy, so I'm going to be lazy, so I don't have to do as much work. Um, we need to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ first, okay? But, but the whole point is, you're, you, the excellence that you exhibit should make everybody else around you go up, too. Two things to note about Daniel. He didn't let the lack of excellence around him stop him from being excellent. Okay? It can be easy to do that. Because it's much harder to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. So be sure that if you want to see the environment of excellence change in your, in your office, at your job, in your family, with your friendships, maybe you should be the initiator. Come on, be, be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You see the difference? You, you don't just take the temperature, but change the temperature. Let's change the conversation about what it means to be excellent in your area of influence. And the second part was, it was its excellence that brought promotion. So if your life right now feels blah, let me ask yourself, are you doing what you're doing with excellence, or are you doing just enough to get by? Are you doing it with excellence or just enough to get by? If you're doing just enough to get by, then don't expect an excellent response from the people that matter around you. You can't expect excellence, okay? It's like um, just because uh, we, we have a, a, a nice officer back here. Let me use uh, police work for just an example. It's like if, if an officer pulls somebody over and the person that got pulled over starts yelling and screaming and claiming sovereign citizen, how do you think that's going to work out? I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's like what, just 10 and 2. Good day. I'm, yes, I was speaking. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm happy to sign that. We'll work it out with the judge. Like, come on, if you're going to be a jerk to someone, don't expect them to be roses to you. And in the same way, if you want excellence from your sphere of influence, but you're not willing to give excellence, why should anybody give excellence if you're not willing to give it? So what I'm saying is let's start with you. I don't care if people around you aren't being excellent. That's between them and Jesus. You are going to answer for what you do. Okay? And so be excellent in what you're doing, and you'll find that people around you want to be excellent in return. Last thing I want to tell you, this is definitely not spiritual, but it does work. 
In the words of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so let's, <laughs> let's chat just a few more moments about generosity and then we're done today. Here's what we have on our website about generosity. The verb of the Bible is giving, and we're fully aware that God has generously provided everything we have. As a result, we see generosity not as an obligation or from a sense of guilt, but that we should cheerfully, consistently, and sacrificially give our time, talents, and treasure. Jesus gave, and when we give, we are imitating and exemplifying what it means to be generous as it has been modeled to us by him. Generosity is a privilege. Generosity is our privilege. Time, talent, and treasure. Notice that your money is last. Generosity is so much more than dollars and cents. It's so much more than money. When we hear generous, though, we think of somebody that gave a lot of money. Okay, that's what we think of. But what about someone who's willing to serve whenever and wherever? What about somebody who said, you know what, I have the tools to accomplish that job. I'm happy to do it. Let me tell you what it does if you're a manager of people. Whenever you have somebody that's willing to go the extra mile and be generous with their time, talents, and treasure, it takes a load off of you as a leader. Because you realize you have people that not only can do it, but they want to do it. And there's a difference between can do something and wanting to do something. I've got a lot of people in the world that can do things. But how many of you want to help? How many of you want to move a kingdom? How many of you want to help your family? How many of you want to take a load off of your spouse? How many of you want to help your job do better? So whenever it comes time to think about promotions and raises, they think about how much extra you've done to make their business work out. It's so much more than money. All these people are just as generous, but when we pigeonhole generosity to money, we miss opportunities to bless people and the kingdom with what we have. I saw two quotes this week about generosity that hit me, and the first one is, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. This is something that we teach. We don't necessarily teach it in this, uh, these words, but we teach this with our lead team, that you may have a task that you're supposed to go do, but the person is always more important than the task. And so don't you just run past somebody and, and go do your thing. You stop and talk to them. Why? Because the task can wait, but the people are important. They're more important than the task. Okay, And so we teach people on our lead team, hey, stop, interact, engage. You never know. That one interaction and one engagement might be the thing that keeps them from jumping off the edge when they leave here. Yeah. So people are important and they matter more than anything. But your attention is something for winning. All of us are able to give attention to someone. All of us are. I don't care how busy you are. If, look, Jesus Christ had three years to create a worldwide phenomenon that's going to save humanity. You can, probably, you can probably stop and talk to somebody. If he did it, you can do it too. Okay? But he was God. You had the same spirit that raised Christ from the delivered inside of you. Give me another excuse. Talk to people. Engage. Reach out. Be generous with your attention. The second one is this. Being generous often consists of simply extending a hand. But that's hard to do if you're grasping tightly to your righteousness, your belief system, your superiority, your assumptions about others, or your definition of normal. Bro, that is, that is intense. God wants you to extend a generous hand to people around you. But if you are clinging tightly to everything that you think you deserve and you think you need and your superiority, or they're not as good as me, so I'm not going to help them. Like... Come on, man. Like, that's what we're talking about here. So what does the Bible say in terms of this? 
Proverbs 11, 24 to 26 says this, One gives freely, yet another grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers one. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. People curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. It's just like love. Love ain't love until you give it away, is what, what, the, what the old phrase says. Isn't that a song even? Look at y'all out there singing it. We're going to bring that up next, next week with the bad, bad songs. and Anyway. But, but love doesn't work until you give it away. You know, some of the generosity don't do anybody any good if you're not willing to give it away. Listen, God doesn't care for you to have nice things. God is okay with you having nice things. He's not okay with nice things having you. So have a nice vehicle. Have a nice house. But if that nice vehicle and nice house is where you get your identity from, God ain't down with that. Okay? So what should happen is the reason that God brings blessing and increase to your life is so that you can be a blessing to move the kingdom. Some of y'all are like, bro, I ain't got no money. Well, maybe God has another way for you to be generous. Maybe your, your talents or your time. But if you're out there right now and God has blessed you with the ability to make money and you've made a lot of money, I'm not saying give everything you have away follow Jesus. But what I am saying is this. When Jesus says, be generous, I want you to open your hand because the Bible promise we just read is that if you keep your hand closed, then you're going to be cursed. But if you will open your hand and give generously, the Bible says that blessing will come on you. Now, this ain't prosperity preaching. Get a hundred, you get a thousand. That's not what I'm saying at all. And God might not reward back your giving financially with financial blessing. Yeah, but if I put corn in the ground, I won't get corn out. Well, okay, whatever. I remember a Red Sea pardon and, and manna falling from heaven. God can do miraculous things. So maybe you give money because God told you to, and what you get in return is so much peace in your household that you can't even imagine how it could work out like that. Maybe you give, you give your time and energy, and you think, well, yeah, I mean, I only, I only have a certain hour, hours a day, and if I give that time and energy, I'm going to miss out on my family. What if, what if rather than just you coming up to the church and doing something, or you going to the soup kitchen and doing something, or you volunteering at some organization, bring your kids with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, let your kids get involved in that, and all of a sudden you're having a family interaction, a family event. Now all of a sudden you're getting time with your kids and you're teaching them something that's so far beyond just their own sphere of influence. It's past the iPhone screen. Come on, somebody. Like, give them the opportunity to do that. A closed fist benefits no one. And an open hand blesses both the receiver and the giver. What do you have? Time, talent, treasure that you can give to bless others in the kingdom. If you want to feel the best you can ever feel, it comes right after you give. I'm not talking about necessarily money either. It feels really good to bless somebody with a financial blessing. It makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. But your time and efforts and your talents, I'm really struggling right now. I'll tell you what, come to my house for an hour, we'll have a coffee, we'll talk about it. Sometimes that's worth more than $10,000. Here's a couple of thoughts about generosity today, and we'll end. Generosity happens when we realize what we've been given. Take a breath, everybody, deep breath. Yeah, God gave that to you right then. You, you could have you died in your sleep last night, but you're here. You're alive, you're breathing. God gave that to you, and if you're breathing, that means he has something he wants you to do. 
James 1, 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father light. Listen, everything you have is from God. By God, I worked that, that double on the pipeline. Okay, whatever, man. Whatever. The blood pumping in your body. Your ability to wake up this morning. Your ability to even make money to begin with. Deuteronomy 8, 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Remember, generosity is not born out of obligation or duty. God didn't send Jesus because he had to. He was being generous. Okay? John 3.16. Come on, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't ever overlook the most, overlook the most important word in the entire phrase. It's right here. God so loved the world that he gave. None of this would be happening right now without Jesus. None of it would happen without a father who was willing to give a son so he could get some sons and daughters back home. Whenever you encounter God's love, a byproduct is generosity. The reason is because you can't be generous and unloving at the same time. Your generosity starts with his love for you, and it extends to your love for others. Generosity is always born out of love, but before you can love others, you've got to experience his love. Amen. The second and the last thing is this. Generosity requires us to give ourselves first to the Lord. Your first act of giving is you to Jesus, not you to someone else. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul, in chapter 8, Paul is talking um, about the Macedonian church. And he's honoring them, just like, just saying such great things about them. Because, quote, in a great trial of affliction, and despite their deep poverty, they abounded in generosity, even beyond their ability. And they were freely willing to do so. And, and second, that we didn't expect it, Paul says, but they urged us to receive their gift. Imagine somebody who's broke and busted comes up and blesses you so that you can go bless the kingdom. Now, you might, be, you might say, well, I don't know, I don't want to take that because you probably need this more than I do. But they, they, they encourage you and they, they were adamant, no, you have to take this blessing. That's what Paul was saying about the Macedonian church. Now, check this out. Verse 5 in that chapter is where it really hits. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So if you want to be a generous person, it has to start with you giving yourself to the Lord. And if you haven't started that process, excuse me, sometimes God, what he'll do is he will ask you to give something that stretches you and that challenges you. And if you haven't started the process by submitting to the Lord and giving yourself to him, then you can't possibly be generous and here there's a reason why and it's wild it's that generosity has the ability, ability to reveal what you're actually serving generosity can reveal what god you're serving here's why god whispers in your ear i want you to give a hundred dollars to somebody in the audience because they're struggling you don't need to ask questions you don't need to explain why i just want you to get a hundred out of your pocket and give it to somebody okay that's what i want you to do Wait a minute, God. I got bills coming up. How, how in the world can I do that? I, I can't do that. I got, I got bills. Okay, so what, what did generosity just reveal to you? That you're your own source. Now, here's another little exercise. Now, Dad, I'm going to give this to you. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find somebody in the audience, and I want you to give it to them. 
just look around the audience and whoever the Holy Spirit highlights to you. Ain't no hands going up. Ain't nobody saying, me, Jesus, me, Jesus. All right. Now, let me ask you something. This is pretty awesome, right? Mark, you can really have it. Okay? Now, I'm the one that gave the 100. Right? Did Dad give 100 or me? I'm the one that did. Why would Dad getting mad about giving the hundred to somebody else when I'm the one that gave it to him. It wasn't his to begin with. It was my money. And I gave it to him. And so what happens to him, well, well he, he's missing a hundred dollars too. No, he didn't have a hundred dollars to begin with. And what he became was the conduit by which I could bust somebody else. But here's what happens whenever dad keeps the money as he stops the blessing. Because what, what would happen in, in dad's heart and in his life if he kept that money? He might go spend it down Tiger Harris today, or probably take 100, but he might go spend it. He might go spend it, and he might just belly full, but that's it. But he's going to be driving home today, and he's going to be thinking about blessing somebody with that $100 bill. This is what we're talking about. Now, I use money because it's tangible, but I'm also talking about your time and your talent and your effort. God gave you all of that. So can I lovingly, as a pastor and as a friend, as a fellow laborer in this process, don't get mad at God when he asks you to be generous. Be thankful that you get to be a conduit by which people can be blessed. Because if you get mad, listen, what it says is that people aren't important to you. Come on. And that the very thing that God put us on earth to do, relationship with him and to move the kingdom forward, stops because of your selfishness. That's what we're talking about here. My iPad froze up because it's so hot. Here's what I want to get to. If we're going to be generous, it's going to mean that we abandon this idea that it's mine and we understand that God is our source, not our boss, not our job. God is our source. And then number two, we are to be recipients of God's blessing and conduits of God's blessing. So how does all this tie together? We can either be not excellent, not give our best effort, not make people feel valuable, not engage in moving the kingdom forward, not be a part of raising the level of experience here in Liberty County or your, your sphere of influence, not about making excellence abound in whatever sphere you're in, and we can be a part of an organization or a group of people that don't want to be generous and we want to keep it all up ourselves and us forward no more and hoard it and never let the blessing move forward and just eat the corn that we plant and never eat anything else and never bless anybody else and we could be all of that, or, or we could do what God's called us to do and be excellent, give our very best in every single thing we do. We could be excellent in that, and then we could be generous. 
I literally had some people say to me one day, hey, whenever we have meetings here, um, you give gifts to everybody every time they come. But maybe if you didn't do that, then it would encourage other people to want to be a part of this and host it as well. And I said, listen, I'm not going to change our core value of generosity just because it might spur other people to generosity. Guys, these core values are not just things that we have written on a wall. They're things that we do our best to live by. I'm asking you to do the same. They don't have to be necessarily our values on the wall. But let me ask you this. Do you have core values for your own life? Do you have core values for your own family? Do you have core values at your job? Maybe your boss doesn't think like that. That's okay. You develop some core values for yourself at your job. Start living out your core values in your job, in your family, in your sphere of influence. And guys, watch how things change. God might change your surroundings, but I guarantee you it's going to change you to begin with. Amen? Can we take a moment and pray? Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your goodness and your love and your mercy. God, I thank you that you are incredible and powerful. And God, that you are excellent when it comes to us. I mean, God, God, for us, it's making sure chairs are nice in alignment and making sure the experience is good. And there's coffee and there's little notepads so kids can draw during service. That's, that's excellent kind of stuff. But, God, you gave your very best when you gave us Jesus. And so we want to first just take a moment to say thank you. Come on, church. I can't do this one for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being excellent in what you did. Thank you. Thank you for being an excellent sacrifice for our sin that you're our salvation, our righteousness. God, we receive you right now in this moment. But God, I also thank, that, thank you that you're generous. God, I thank you that you gave your son. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us not only to be just good people and righteous and, and chase after you, but that you would help us be excellent in everything we do, whether it's at church, our homes, our jobs, wherever, and that we'd be generous, that our hands would be open, not closed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it a hand. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.